How we dress ourselves starts with asking why. Daisy of Mindful Closet is here to chat about all the layers of how we curate our wardrobes, from social expectations to personal motivation, from fear and guilt to body acceptance. Dressing ourselves is a difficult balance in our lives, and especially in ourselves, to reach authentic personal style. But before we start the conversation, which focuses on dressing authentically, Daisy and I would like to acknowledge that not everyone has the freedom and safety to wear what is authentic for them. We hope we can get to a place where everyone can walk through life expressing themselves without fear or consequence. For links and related episodes, check out the show notes on balancingstories.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter for bonus content free, of course. And if you like what you hear and you'd like to support me, you can leave a tip through Buy Me A Coffee, a link on the website. But let's go ahead and start the conversation. I'm Megan Kitchen, and this is Balancing Stories. Welcome, Daisy, to Balancing Stories, to join me so we can talk about how we dress ourselves. The first question I have before we really dig into all these different layers, huh? Play on words, you like that? Is what can we gain from looking more closely at how we dress ourselves? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question and it's kind of a big answer too. I mean, I, I see clothing as one of the entry points into getting to know yourself better. Yeah. And really into kind of self-exploration and self-inquiry and all those kind of things that sometimes we don't have enough time to stop and think about. And to me, just like lots of other things can be, you know, making art or being creative or moving your body or all these different things can be a way to explore your needs and your preferences. And I think clothing can be that as well. So that's what it is for me. It's really about learning to know yourself and allowing yourself to have preferences and things that you like and dislike and and allowing yourself to go with those. And so one day you said, this really means something to me, this deeper look at how we dress ourselves in this part of ourselves and our expression. And so you started this Instagram account, which is called Mindful Closet. And I am a follower, (laughs) huge fan. I'm so glad. Um, And I'm going to read your tagline quick so people can get to know this. And then we're going to unpack it with a few Mm -hmm. questions. The tagline is helping women release the patriarchal standards they've been conforming to and uncover their true, authentic, personal style. (laughs) Well, let's just start with the name. Why Mindful Closet? Yeah, well, it's it's been an interesting journey. I actually started Mindful Closet in 2013, so it's been about nine years. And wow. my original intention, it was always meant to be a personal styling business, um, but my original intention had much more of a minimalist focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, I had this idea and this feeling that um, we were just drowning in clothes. We mm-hmm. had so many things that you know, when I say we, I mean, particularly kind of American society. Um, We just had so many influences prompting us to buy all the time and that there was a lot of mindlessness that went along with those purchases and holding on to stuff that we weren't using. And so that was my original intention with, with the name Mindful Closet was like, can we just put a little more thought into this? Can we just 
be a little bit more mindful? Can we pause and bring some of those aspects of mindfulness into the process of getting dressed? You know, whether it's what we buy or what we decide to wear that day or what we decide to get rid of. Um, And over these past nine years, that's definitely still part of my motivation, but things have shifted a lot more to, you know, encompass kind of the things that are in that tagline. Like there's a lot more of this identifying where did the messages come from that tell us what we should be wearing and Mm -hmm. how can we break those down? And so luckily mindful still applies, (laughs) I think in all those, in all those cases, because we still want to be mindful about why we're doing certain things and, and really be able to trace back the, the motivation and, and make sure that we're choosing things out of mindfulness and not just because it's what's been kind of imposed on us. Not just what's fashionable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we see a lot of those Instagram accounts too. Mm-hmm. We do. We see a lot of them. And I end up seeing a lot of clothes in women's closets that have come from the influence of those quote influencers Yeah, um, that maybe not as much thought was put into because we kind of trust those people with making decisions about what is good to wear. And we, my goal is always to bring that, that kind of locus of control back into our internal selves instead of kind of having that external influence. Well, let's break down the next part, which is a biggie. And that's the patriarchal standards. Mm-hmm. So how did that make its way into your tagline? Because you say that wasn't a part of the original kind of sure. lighthearted, mindful closet. Yeah. But yeah. it means something to you now. What is this? Yeah. Well, over time, as I started working with women, um, I just kept seeing over and over that they were forcing themselves into clothes that they didn't even like. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was because they had been given kind of these rules or these standards about how they should appear, right? And when you trace back a lot of those, they're really all coming from a place of patriarchal ideal standard of beauty, which is perhaps tall, thin, blonde. And a lot of women, whether they're aware of it or not, have been using their clothes to try and get as close to that standard as possible. And when they do that, again, sometimes unconsciously, they're making themselves uncomfortable and contorting themselves into things that are literally physically uncomfortable. Literally. Yeah. In order to, you know, again, get as close to that ideal as possible. And so what I just saw over and over was that if I gave people permission to let go of those rules, let go of those messages, let go of that idea of that's how you had to show up and try and see how it was that you really felt best then that's when people got the most comfortable and the most confident with their clothes. What are some of those standards that you find are the hardest for, we'll talk about women, Mm -hmm. for women to let go of? Yeah. Oh, man, there are a lot. I mean, the (laughs) the first thing that pops into mind is just having a defined waist. Like just this idea that somehow we all need to, you know, really the ideal body proportions are somewhere in that hourglass figure, right? Mm-hmm. Or or a slimmer version of the hourglass. Or, you know, in the in the 2010s, maybe it was like extreme hourglass. It again, it's always dictated by some form of culture and not necessarily something that all women can fit into. And so that defined waist always really comes into play because it's often very uncomfortable. It's often something that like people really feel the need they they have to like 
prove that there's a part of their body that's smaller than other parts and and they need to show that and and that often comes with belts or tight clothing or you know things that just again if you choose that and that's what feels great to you and and maybe you don't feel restricted maybe you feel held in um and that's a source of comfort to you great go for it but for so many women i worked with it was like no that feels awful i hate that i can't sit at my desk all day it's like literally for some women it's giving them kind of intestinal issues <laughs> i mean i'm not making this up and so it's again like what links are we going to to fit into that that kind of ideal standard of the ideal feminine shape and who are we doing it for great question yeah right Mm-hmm. When you're working with clients and you're kind of running through this idea with them that, hey, you can be you and you doesn't have to conform to these beauty standards, is there pushback? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the fun part for me because I want – that's where the the shifting can really come into place, right? Is really like – I just really love – helping people change that mindset and shift from one, one side of the line to the other. Um, so yeah, often people, it's just an ingrained message, right? It's been something they've been taught by their mothers, by magazines, by TV and, and movies that that's the ideal shape. And so if you don't conform to that, you're going to be putting yourself in danger somehow. You know what I mean? Like just in a like societal way is like, if you don't conform, are you going to get tossed out? Are people not going to like you? And so, yeah, it brings up a lot of fear for people for sure. Um, And then I think a lot of people are not, are fearful of accepting where they are and where their bodies are. Yes. And there's so many reasons for that. Um, But definitely I find with a lot of women that they're not quite ready to say, well, or they say, I'm not ready to let go of the idea of having a waistline. Again, I'm just using this one tiny example. Yeah. It could be many different things, but they're like, I'm not really ready. I'm I'm still, I'm still going to keep working towards that look. And again, then we just want to question that again, like you, like you did. It's like, okay, why, you know, and how much effort and how much strain are you willing to put on your body and your life? to get there. And is that worth mm. it? And when you're saying there's fear attached to letting go of some of these things, and then it's like, okay, let's take that another layer deeper. Like fear of what? Mm-hmm. Is it fear that you can't make friends or your friends that mm-hmm. you already have will reject you because of fashion? Fear yeah. that you won't find a partner if you're still seeking a partner. Mm-hmm. And then it's another layer deeper of, well, are you conforming to a certain standard so they'll accept you, but then you have to somehow uphold this then? Yeah. And is that, getting into the next question, authentic? Mm, Oh, really good. (laughs) Are you being your authentic self for those people to see who you really are? Yeah. And I would think the answer often is no, right? Mm. Um, And so... Sometimes we just need that awareness of seeing like, oh, actually, I didn't choose this look I'm going for, or I didn't choose this manner of dressing, or I didn't choose the the method of, of buying clothes often. That that was kind of imposed on you. Again, like I said, like we always, in my first session with clients, we always go back to the beginning. I want to know what their relationship with clothes was since they were little. Mm. And who had an influence on them? Was it mothers or aunts or grandmas or friends? And so unpacking all of that, 
I think just brings that awareness and allows people to say like, okay, that's where that came from. Now I see that. Now I get to choose if I want to uphold it or not. And if they do choose to uphold it, then like you said, that's authentic because they've made that decision and they've been mindful about it. But if they continue to do something that doesn't feel comfortable, whether physically or emotionally to them, then yeah, it's not going to feel authentic. So what is authenticity when it comes to personal style? How do we know whether or not we're being authentic to ourselves? Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't think I've ever had it put to me exactly that way. I think authenticity in your wardrobe is knowing that you're going to feel like yourself in all of your clothes. Mm. And there may be different versions of yourself. There may be the dressed up version of yourself, and there may be the stay-at-home mom during a pandemic version of yourself. (laughs) What? Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, knowing that you feel like you and you feel comfortable. And I also go as far as, you know, I often have people saying really like derogatory things about their own style because it's not, again, what is expected in terms of like good style or like... Mm trendy. And, you know, and often that does come back to moms who are like, well, I just, and this just literally happened the other day. I had a talk where I talked to a group of women and most of them were moms and they were being very down on themselves for wearing tunic and tunics and leggings all the time. Mm. And, and I was just like, but what is wrong with that? And who gave you the idea there was something wrong with that? Right. Um, again, it's like, oh no, you should be super mom, taking care of your kids, working. And then also, by the way, like dress up flawlessly every day. Yeah. No, that's crazy. That's crazy expectations. So, you know, as long as that feels good to you, don't feel bad about it. So there's so many different levels of authenticity. Authenticity could be dressing in flowing layers, or it could be dressing in yoga pants. And it really just comes down to you and your lifestyle and what works for you and what you like the look of. I like that you said that there can be different versions of us mm. because I was just – I'm going through this kind of closet overhaul right now. Mm. Okay, great. Oh, I want to hear more. And and <laughs> it's so funny because then I booked the interview with you mm-hmm. and I think we booked this two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And honestly, since then, I'm really trying to put things into practice and consider things. Yeah. And what I found interesting as I was going through my closet – and there's the initial overhaul where you're like, let's just get rid of all the stuff that doesn't fit or it's no longer my style. That's the easy bit. It is, yeah. And then I was looking at my closet saying, but is this one person? Mm -hmm. Because I've got all my jeans and like my gap tank tops Mm -hmm. and my cardigans, but then I've got this jumpsuit that's like a pastel floral print. It's so comfortable. I feel great in it, but it doesn't look like the same person who wears this other end of the closet. Mm. Says who? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's a definitely a common misconception when we talk about um, identifying and uh, your own personal style is there's this misconception again that, and again, it comes from maybe fashion magazines or maybe those how-to fashion books that like yeah. you have to fit into one style box. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. just not the case. Um, for some people, their style across the board is going to be very similar. And maybe their dressed up style is just a fancier version of their, you know, casual style. But for other people, eclectic is a style as well. And that just means that you like lots of different things. And that's a form of kind of 
not being authentic if you were to try and restrain yourself into picking one of those styles to stick to all the time. So I love that you have that. That's such a great example. And I think that's such a great thing for us to, again, like practice in our lives that like, yeah, we're not just one person. We have all these different facets to ourselves. And sometimes we need the clothes for each of those facets. Yeah. For those of us women typically, but also men, there's this pressure to look a certain way or to keep up with trends or to make ourselves physically uncomfortable in order to be socially accepted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do we, how do we not stumble on all of that? Yeah, well, this is a good uh, time for me to put in my standard disclaimer, which is that choosing to be completely authentic, unfortunately, is not available for all people. Um, because if you're in a marginalized identity or a marginalized body, often you really do have to conform because you may not get hired. You may be discriminated against. You may, you know, literally be at harm. And so this is the place where I say that, that this doesn't, unfortunately in our current world can't apply to everyone and that that's, we want to work towards a time when that can be true. And so having said that, I think Again, it just kind of comes back to what you feel personally and knowing, like, because I love what you said about your jumpsuit. You're like, it feels good. I feel great in it. It's physically comfortable. It sounds like it serves a purpose for you. It's like pajamas. <laughs> That's, I mean, ideal, right? Ideal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for me, it's just kind of on a case by case basis of feeling like, you know, I'm going to explore what what is out there. And I'm going to try things on and I'm going to touch them and I'm going to see how they feel on my body. And then I'll make a decision. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, kind of a set plan in advance because that that kind of falls into that perfectionist ideal of like, we're going to build a wardrobe and we're going to take that Pinterest image that has 10 items and we're going to replicate that. And that doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Because, you know, the capsule wardrobe mm-hmm. has become very popular that everything coordinates and flips Mm -hmm. and flops with itself. Mm -hmm. And this minimalism that you said actually was a part of kind of your original purpose. Mm -hmm. But that can, for some people, be very limiting. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always say that minimalism means that you love or use everything you have. Oh, I like that better. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be limited by a number, a certain number of items. And there may be like for you, that jumpsuit, maybe it only comes out two or three times a year, but you love it and you use it. And therefore it doesn't need to get cut out of the capsule. You know what I mean? And so minimalism again has taken on a certain connotation and there's certain like kind of Pinterest images that, that, are what come to mind when we think of a capsule wardrobe. But for me, a capsule wardrobe is just simply a small number of clothing items that can be mixed and matched. Mm. And so they could be all floral and stripes and plaid and all kinds of things. And you like to mix and match those. And that's great. Doesn't mean necessarily that it has to be only neutrals and, and black and gray. But, but then it's a good exercise to think about because when you do think about doing that, then you do see the items that will never get used. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that really are kind of superfluous and can be let go of. But again, if it has a use for you and you love it and or you love it, then it, it deserves a, a place. <laughs> yeah. What I see, unfortunately, is many, many times, many, many of the pieces in women's closets they don't love. They really don't like them and they bought them 
for one of those other reasons of either fitting in or being influenced or, you know, trying to be something that they really are not. And that's where all the excess actually comes in. And I'm going to go ahead and bring up one of your posts that I've, because I've written down some of my favorite posts from you so that we can kind of run through. But one of them is popping into my head right now with what you're saying, especially since we've all gone through this pandemic. I think a lot of our bodies have shifted during this time frame. Mm -hmm. A lot of my listeners are moms who've had their body shift in other ways as well, regardless of pandemic. And one of your posts was, Build a wardrobe that meets your body, not a body that meets your wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And that hit me hard Mm -hmm. because I have a stack of jeans sitting in my closet right now that I'm hoping my body will get back to. Mm -hmm. And they just sit there and taunt me. Mm -hmm. And that's been part of this kind of wardrobe overhaul that I'm doing was, you know what? I'm not going to force my body into those jeans right now. Yeah, that's great. I'm just going to get new jeans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is there anything that feels worse than trying to squeeze yourself into clothes that are too small and then wearing those around for a day? I get a stomach ache, literally. Yeah, it's physically uncomfortable and you feel like crap, you know? It, it just brings up any negative feelings about yourself you might have had. It's like, well, here they are. Like, let's just sit in that all day. So yeah, it's it's not, I mean, and this is not like an easy thing to, to come to terms with, but I always, you know, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I always want to ask people, okay, you have clothes that are too small. How much of your life are you willing to give up to change yourself back into the person who can fit into those clothes. And is that worth it? Mm. For most people, I just I just don't think it is. Um, and there's another path forward, which is to kind of accept where you are. And instead of putting all that energy into trying to change your body, put some of the energy into trying to accept where you are, which will ultimately just make you feel a whole lot better about yourself. Um, because the, the the path of trying to change yourself back, not only is it extremely hard, not only is it almost never successful, but it's a negative process, right? It's really about you having to change yourself for what, you know, for these clothes. I mean, I'm, I'm making light of it and it's, it's a very, like, it can be a very hard thing to do to come to that acceptance. But for me personally, I'm going through this like many of us are. And I just know that I don't have the bandwidth or the time or the energy to worry about changing my body. And I'm going to put what energy I have into accepting where it is now. And so therefore, then I may need new clothes because my body may be a different size. And therefore, that energy, again, instead of going into changing my body back into the clothes that used to fit, I'm going to put some energy into getting clothes that fit my current body. Because ultimately, in the end, that's going to make me a lot happier. Yeah. And that leads me to actually another post that you had, which was body grief. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because you, I think, also connected with another person. Did you do a course about this? Mm-hmm. Was that right? Yeah. Brianna Campos um, has a course. Uh, she's a body image coach, and she has a course about body grief. And I, I took that because I was definitely feeling some of that. Yeah. Um, 
and it really helped me kind of uncover a little bit about, you know, you, we were talking earlier um, in this conversation about what do we fear if we don't fit in, you know, yes. with our clothing. And some of those same fears come up around body changing. Unfortunately, it's not ideal, but we do live in a culture that um, does value smaller bodies yes. more highly. Um, and so it would feel natural to have some fear about losing some of that value or perceiving that you're going to be losing some of that value. And, you know, then there's also just the fact of like change. Change is hard. I mean, for me, there's a lot of it that's about accepting that I'm a 44-year-old woman. I'm no longer 25 and, you know, out on the town. Um, and that's a big part of it. And so I always, I feel like, you know, we're always going to have grief about big changes in our life, even if they're positive changes. Um, sometimes we have some grief about that. And so, yeah, that's that's a bit of what it's been about for me. I want to, you know, make very clear that it's not about it's not that I feel that larger bodies are not as worthy. That is not my personal feeling at all. But sometimes it's hard to reconcile the intellectual idea that I accept all bodies and all bodies are good bodies with how I feel kind of internally and that little that little nugget of fear that's like, yeah, but are people still going to like me? That kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. And for me, my body grief is not about my size, which has changed mm -hmm. year after year, you know, pregnancies and babies and all these things. For me, it's also how my body has shifted mm -hmm. and kind of a redistribution of body, we could call it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had two C-sections and a hysterectomy and mm -hmm. four pregnancies and two babies. And yeah, it's a lot for anybody to go through. It's a lot. And, you know, even just age. Even if you haven't gone through any of the rest mm -hmm. of that, bodies shift. Mm -hmm. And I think regardless of what size you are, as you age and your lifestyle changes and your body shifts, you can have body grief about the new ways you need to dress your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's, and it's also part of that comes from the fact that we have been conditioned to believe that the best bodies don't change. Oh, you said it there. Yeah, we see those messages over and over and over. We see our mothers and grandmothers fighting against any change in their bodies. We see movie stars, you know, appearing to never have body changes or shifts, you know, all of those things. And so it's it's a big shift to to realize mm -hmm. that oh, actually bodies are meant to change and that is normal. Um, because it's just not illustrated for us. It's not modeled for us. And that that's that's a really hard thing to learn when you don't see it anywhere. Yeah. And so body grief is a real thing. And I think even acknowledging that helps start this process of like, okay, actually overhauling a closet should also be a normal part of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's another one of those kind of perfectionist tendencies or things that maybe come from the wardrobe advice books is that, you know, you're going to fit into one style and you're going to build one wardrobe that's going to be timeless and you'll never have to buy clothes ever again. 
And that's just, I'll be honest, when I first started out, I was very enamored of that whole thing and the whole like French girl vibe. And I was like, okay, that's what, that's what I'm going to aim for. And I soon learned that that was not possible Um, because our bodies change, our tastes change, our preferences change, our lifestyles change, what Mm -hmm. we need for our clothes to do changes. And that's just not realistic. It's just kind of like that, again, acceptance of change is a constant is important in our closets as well. And I do find that women beat themselves up about having to buy new clothes or having to add new things to their wardrobe when, you know, we'd never, we'd never um, make a child feel bad about needing new clothes, right. you know, if they wore something out or if they grew out of something or they just needed something different, we would never, you know, say, well, you were supposed to have these clothes for the next three years. What's wrong with you? You know, the label says six to seven years old. Yeah. And so we just have this idea that somehow as women, we hit some, some random age, you know, everyone, everyone kind of has a different one in their mind, um, you know, but maybe we hit 25. And at that point, that's where we're supposed to stay body wise and taste wise. Yeah. And everything. And it's just not realistic. Yeah. I think the next one I'm going to bring up then that like, oh, there's so many good ones. (laughs) This is fun. so many good ones. I want to go with this idea that, because I think this links well, your measurements have no moral value. Mm, Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really tough. I mean, you know, in the, in the world that I've kind of come to find a place in, which is this kind of weight neutral world that's anti-diet and and weight inclusive, it's often said that you shouldn't really talk about numbers because they can be triggering. They're something that we don't want to compare. And there is value placed on some of those numbers. And unfortunately, with measurements, we use those as a tool. So we don't need to know anyone's weight, but when we are shopping and particularly shopping online, which is one, how a lot of us are shopping these days anyway. And two, if you're not in a standard size, then you have to shop online because that's where the options are. We need to have measurements so that we can figure out which size of all these sizes you're going to fit into. And so maybe another post would actually be something about how sizes have no moral value because Mm. they're completely arbitrary. They have nothing to do with anything. You You can wear the same pair of pants in one store and go in and try and buy the same pair of pants again in a different color and the size will be different that you need. I mean, it's absolutely, um, there's just no standardization. It drives me bananas. Yeah, it's really frustrating. It's super frustrating. And so this idea that measurements have no moral value is just that we want to take away any emotional weight that they have. And we just want to say, these are a tool that we're using to find clothes that work for you. And I was having trouble with this until I was talking with a friend of mine. Actually, her name is Rachel Cole. She's an intuitive eating coach. And um, she said, but there are lots of things that we measure. We measure pictures. We measure rooms. We measure, you know, like measurements are just a tool. There's something that we use to figure out what's going to fit and where things are going to go. And that was helpful for me. So it's really just, again, removing this idea that there's a better measurement than Mm. another, um, that there's any worth placed on any measurement. They're all morally neutral. They're all the same. We just use them as a tool. I like that. Well, I think then we can move towards this idea of flattering. Mm, mm -hmm. 
I always thought if you compliment someone, say, oh, that dress is so flattering mm-hmm. that that was a compliment. Mm-hmm. You want to tell my listeners why it's not such a... <laughs> Well, you know, it, it certainly can be. And part of this is about what you consider the meaning of the word. And yeah. so I don't want to get into like, a, you know, linguistics. It's thing. not it's a bad word. word. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. And some people are very convinced that flattering just means that something looks lovely on you. And if that's the form that you use it in, that's great. But unfortunately, the traditional use of the word and the, the way that we mostly use the word flattering is to indicate that something makes someone look as small as possible. And so therefore, if flattering is a good thing, that means being as small as possible is a good thing. And that means that anything that doesn't do that is bad, (laughs) right? Um, And again, it goes back into those standards that we were talking about earlier. You know, how much are you going to suffer in order to wear something that's, quote, flattering? Is it worth that effort and that discomfort for you? And I just think it shouldn't be the criteria by which we judge what we wear. The reason is because I've come up against it so many times with people, with women, just saying, well, I really love this dress, but it's just not that flattering on me. And the question is, what's more important, that you love it or that it makes you appear as small as possible, right? So yeah, those are are some of my thoughts about, about flattering. I just think it should not be the main criteria by which you choose your clothes. It's interesting for me because I married a Finn. Mm -hmm. And for anyone out there who's familiar with Finnish fashion, they don't necessarily cinch in the waist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They love this kind of billowy shirt or these Mm -hmm. very A-line, but from the shoulders down, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dresses and these bold patterns, Mm -hmm. you know, Mary Mako and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it was always interesting for me when I first started getting connected to the Finnish culture to be like, oh... Not everything's cinched in. Mm-hmm. Not everything's hourglass. Like flattering and fashionable for them is is something completely different from the American standard I grew up with. Yeah, I think that's so such an important point to make, which is that again, all of these kind of norms come from this like Western European American standard of beauty. And and again, like, yeah, you think about think about cultures in India or cultures in Africa. Like those are not, again, going to be this same hourglass shape that's idealized as much as it is um, in our society. And so I think that's such a great point. And it just it feels so much more free, you know, that you can just choose the clothes you love without worrying about whether it makes you look thin or not. So if anyone's out there and they want to say they're getting fashion inspiration from somewhere because they want an excuse to wear one of these things, but they're not comfortable yet confronting these ideologies, Mm -hmm. just say your Finnish style. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nordic. Nordic style. Nordic. Yeah. Yeah. So then I think the last post I'd really like to get your thoughts on is the quote, what does body acceptance have to do with minimalism? to kind of round out back to your original purpose of Mindful Closet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was something that I've kind of been reflecting on for the last year or so. And I realized that while I started with minimalism, once I started working with women, um, I realized that you cannot get to minimalism if you're not accepting your body. Mm. You just can't. You're going to have, because if we go back to my definition again of minimalism being the things that you love or use, you're not using things that don't fit your body right now, right? Mm-hmm. 
And if you can't get to a place of accepting your body as it is right now, you're not going to be able to be minimalist, minimalist because you're going to be holding on to all this extra stuff that's not in use. And so for me, that's kind of where that realization came from that I was like, oh, it's not that women want to hold on to all this stuff. It's that they're not ready to let it go because they're not ready to accept where their body is. Yeah. Yeah, that was me Mm -hmm. for a really long time. And I think also as someone who was going through pregnancies and not pregnant moments and, you know, then breastfeeding and, you know, all these body changes. back and forth. Yeah. And you never know, like, will I get back to that? Will I not? Mm-hmm. And so I I completely acknowledge like those phases of life where you're kind of in between and you're not sure. But I also think there's a lot of attachment to the, the economic side of things. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, that you're like, well, you know, those are a good pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. What if I could get back to those? And that's that's also hard when we're talking about minimalism and trying to pare down. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say that it doesn't, this whole conversation doesn't mean that you have to go and get rid of that stuff right away. Yeah. But I will say that I believe very strongly that you should not keep those clothes who that don't fit staring at you in your closet. They really need to be stored away somewhere. Mm. Um, and so, you know, many people are going through body transitions and don't know where they're going to end up. And that is fine. It's fine to hold on to those things until you have a better sense of where you're going to end up. But they just don't need to be making you feel bad by sitting in your closet and staring at you every time you go to get dressed. So you can have like a storefront minimalism. So the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the clothes that you go to the closet and look at directly every day can be pared down to the body you currently have. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And some women, I think it's important to say too that a lot of women, their bodies fluctuate month to month, week mm-hmm. to week. Right. Morning so, tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so there's nothing wrong with having multiple sizes, even. You know, again, it's just knowing like, are those going to get used, you know, in the near future? And if not, either store them away or or let them go. Well, I have really appreciated all of these thoughts and kind of running through these posts that I've been ad- admiring from a distance. <laughs> so thank so you fun. so much. No, thank you. And and what do you hope? For like our closing question, what do you hope listeners take away from this conversation? I my hope is always just to maybe two things to have everyone kind of reconsider why they're wearing what they're wearing, mm. and just give some thought to it, and just make sure that it aligns with with you and who you are. And then I would say the second thing that's important for people to take away is the permission to. Once you've done that reflecting, you know, once you've kind of thought about like why I'm wearing these things, the permission to stop wearing the things that aren't you and only just wear the stuff that you feel good in, regardless of how it kind of appears to everyone else. I think I'm going to go do that then. Good, good. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I'm going to wear that jumpsuit. (laughs) Yes, put it on. I mean, it's very springtime, so maybe Mm -hmm. I should wait like literally for the temperature. It is thin. Yeah. But I can wear it around the house. You can wear it around the house. You could put a shirt underneath it or a sweater over it. All, all, all kinds of possibilities. Thermals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and reflecting on how we dress ourselves and all the layers. I mean, we yeah. really dug down. I appreciate everything you do. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I love this kind of conversation. I could do it all day. So All day, every day. Well, yeah. I will link your uh, Instagram account in the show notes. Everyone go Great. follow Mindful Closet for basically therapy and fashion mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's what I'm getting out of it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for Thank having you me. Thank you so much. A big thank you to Daisy for sharing the story behind Mindful Closet and encouraging us to consider how we dress ourselves. For more about Daisy, the resources she mentioned, and related episodes, check out the show notes on balancingstories.com. As always, while you're there, sign up for the newsletter for bonus content, free of course. And if you like what you hear and you'd like to support me, you can leave a tip through Buy Me a Coffee, link on the website. Thank you for listening. This was Balancing Stories. And I'm Megan Kitchen. Mm-hmm.